My name is Andrew Walmsley and welcome to Photography Insights. This is the photography podcast that interviews people from the photography world. Today we feature someone from my home country, the UK. Mark Tamer is a multimedia artist from London. Or, I suppose you could say an experimental photographer too. It's quite hard to pinpoint. Whether it's digital cameras, scanners, chemicals... All toy cameras, Mark has tried it, and looking over Mark's range of projects was fun, because there's just a total variety. The multi-portraits was something I noticed online, and couldn't believe this idea. I'm sure many of us have seen multiple exposure, but certainly not to this extent. He came up with the idea with a friend, after realising he didn't have many portraits. Now we do talk about his other projects like Memory That Fades that is all about editing hex code. Moving across mediums, he talks to us about his issues with migraines. This led him to the idea of shooting every day for his migraine diary and used the chemigram process. He's another lover of the analogue world, so we even discuss one of his film suit projects called Breaking Pictures. He's a great guy, I hope you enjoy this too. So here are a few of the talking points for you. Layering images, moving to analogue, glitching, chemigrams and migraines, film soup, manifestos, prescription drugs. And we do manage to fit in some random questions, so find out Mark's fashion taste and why he would give a present to Mark Twain. Of course, there are links to his website and Instagram in the show notes. And of course, we always like to thank the friends of the show, um, from Static Age for these great zines, to filmdev.kk for developing needs. And recently, um, chroma.camera, well, Steve, as uh, most of us know him, he's actually took someone on to help him now. So please do watch out for Steve at Cromer's feed on Instagram and you'll see some um, changes um, coming soon, I'm sure. And for anyone who reads my blog um, website, you'll see I've finally got around to writing a review of the Point 51 magazine. Now this was probably due to a little bit of period of uh, the 10 days isolation. Gave me a bit more time to read the latest issue. And it got me writing about this resource. So I hope you check it out and order one. And no, I'm not affiliated anyway. I just like sharing good work. And of course, anyone who's following my um, other feed, uh, A. Wormsley uh, Art, you'll see um, very shortly uh, I've added another photo I did at the weekend. Um, it's on the website and it'll go on Instagram this week. Again, it's something uh, very personal, so I hope you do check that out. So that's awarmsley.art is the website, and awarmsley.art on Instagram. But anyway, let's play the music and away our fun guest, Mark Tamer. And welcome to the show, Mark. Oh, hi, Andrew. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us all the way from London. Yes. 
a local guest nearly <laughs> almost yeah. yeah yeah no no it's been uh great to come across your work um i was really excited by some of the images and some um very different project work yeah sort of um uh i have a very uh short attention span so i tend to sort of find one thing jump at it and go a bit crazy with it um produce <laughs> lots of things and then sort of get distracted and go off and do something else um so i do end up with lots of different things yeah and uh, sometimes it's a challenge just to sort of bring it all together and sort of make something coherent from it um you know maybe make a sort of proper project from it for you know like i've got things on my website but really that's you know that's like a small percentage of the things that i've done the other things okay. that i've actually been able to sort of organize and coordinate and uh, put into some sort of um order you know and call it an actual project <laughs> no I, you know i totally get that um so what, what my, even mark don't know is literally three minutes before this i was rushing to get my phone because i just came up with an idea for another picture mm. and i was like i need to get this down before i forget because i have such a short um, memory yeah that, um within I'm minutes someone starts talking to me that's it it's gone yeah i'm with you with that yep <laughs> i'm glad but anyway we're not here to talk about me we're here to talk about your amazing <laughs> stuff <laughs> I'll uh, I'll interview you for the next podcast. <laughs> oh God, no, you don't want that. That'll be boring, trust me. Uh, now the the, uh, the one that I think I saw first was this multi-portrait. Yeah. Um, so we're going to have to show images of this, aren't we? Because I don't I don't think I've ever seen this being done before. So talk us through this, Mark. Um, I th this is actually quite old i would say i probably did that about eight or nine years ago and the original right. photographs are older than that uh but it sort of stems back from say let's say 10 years ago and i was i was aware that i didn't have any people in my photographs it was just something i wasn't really that comfortable with ah, okay um whether it's street photography or whether it was um you know portraits and so me and a couple of photography friends who we live in the area same area we decided we did a little portrait project you know, I thought the best way to sort of face my demons of sort of being a little bit nervous about approaching people would be to do this portrait project. And we ended up doing about 600 portraits over <sighs> about 18 months. Wow. So we, what we'd do is we would find an event that was going on. So it might be like, you know, like a village fete or the church fair or yeah. something that was going on, you know, uh, like a closed sale in the local pub, or whatever. And we would just set up, with, you know, uh, with permission set up uh, and we'd had like um, uh, just a white gazebo with a sheet behind and it's that was like a light tent so we had yeah. perfect lighting and then we just took people's portraits uh, uh, we did it for free it was just like a sort of local project if you like so we ended yeah. up with all these pictures of local community we had a show in the park and everything which was quite nice um, but the, we did it um, we called it double take and so we did it slightly different. So what we would do is each person that was photographed would be photographed twice uh, by different photographers. So okay. then you would end up with two versions, you know, um, and this sort of, you know, this sort of idea that you could sort of capture the essence of somebody in a portrait, okay. kind of challenging that by offering you two versions of the same person seconds apart. And it was quite interesting when you put them together, um, some were similar and some were very, very different. Uh, my friend was going for a sort of black and white Richard Avedon 
style, you know, sort of three quarter length, whereas I was sort of very close up, um, uh, you know, sort of a portrait lens, um, sort of uh, shallow depth of field. So we had sort of technically quite different, but also the sort of the essence, if you like, the people coming through was quite different. So it's quite interesting to put them together in a little exhibition we had uh, and just compare so people can come and look at the two versions. So that worked quite well, but that's the that's kind of the background, if you like. That's my source material for the images that you're talking about. Yeah. So I had all these hundreds of images of portraits, and I thought it'd be quite interesting to extend it a bit and to layer the portraits. So essentially what I'd done was I think there was probably about 70, 80 images, portraits of different people in each single image. And so I had that say I had 60 layers in Photoshop of 60 people. And then I would mess around with the opacity and then keep sort of collapsing them as I was going along. So I would do sort of three or four with them um, together. So you could see sort of three or four and then sort of merge them into one and then do it again and again and again. And so I'd end up with lots and lots of merged layers and then sort of finally merge it all into one at the end. Uh, and so you just end up with this um strange looking creature <laughs> this strange yeah. looking person uh the what makes it work i think is that i made sure the eyes were all the same so the the eyes were sort of sharp if you like and always uh, the eyes was in the same place for each person yeah but all the other features were were overlapping it's a really interesting thought i mean so when you started doing that did you realize that you'd be putting that many together um not really. I thought I'd just sort of keep going with it and see see what happens. And I thought as I was going <laughs> through it, you know, it was, I knew it was something was quite interesting was happening so I could sort of see how far I could go with it. Yeah. You see, I've never seen that. And again, this is this idea of experimenting to try something. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you haven't read it in a book. You haven't seen it somewhere. It's just come out of playing probably. Yeah, just sort of messing around. Um, yeah. God. And I mean, it's... obviously, it takes a while to do. I was going to say that must have taken that must yeah. have took hours for you to do there's, that. There's probably some Photoshop nerd who could write an action to do it all automatically. I'm sure mm. <laughs> he could probably do it in thirty seconds or something. But... That must be a big file as well. Uh, yeah, I can't remember what it was, but it would have mm. been enormous, yeah. So you must have had a decent computer to even yeah. start that, to be honest. But I, w I was merging them as I was going along. So if I did, like I said, if I got like three or four layers, yeah, merge them into one, and then do the same three or four layers, merge them into one, so then I've got two layers. Yeah. So, so it never gets like 60 layers. It always, I keep merging them, merging them. Okay, so that that <clears throat> keeps the file size down as well, does yeah. it? Yeah. Right, okay. I've never done anything like that, you see, so I don't know. Mm. Um, I, I'm not really one to do a lot of uh, editing, so <laughs> uh, Photoshop I've never used. Yeah, I try and keep it to the minimum. No, I've sort of moved more um, to analog since that time. Sort of in the last five, six years, I've gone almost mm. completely analog, obviously with a bit of Photoshop for scanning and things like that, you know, and, yeah. that. and then they sort of end up on Instagram or on my website or whatever, you know, occasionally into prints, so you can't sort of uh, ignore the digital altogether. No, so no, no. I'm quite comfortable working you know, with both together. 
but it's um interestingly I've, i haven't used a camera really for quite a while like a sort of you know what you might call a sort of traditional i've got some sort of broken cameras and some um homemade cameras and cheap toy cameras and stuff which i use occasionally but i haven't used a sort of uh, an slr for quite some time now it's it's very strange isn't yeah. it yeah i've used it uh once i think in 18 months yeah and it was dead strange and uh made mistakes for ages with it oh. um but then i've done more um analog than anything yeah. so it's yeah i think it's part of this sort of the experimental side of things of opening up this um and thinking about what's possible with photography and it doesn't have to be a camera you know mm. camera is just one option one of the tools that we have to, to yeah. make images and there's so many other ways like you were saying about scanners scanner is is a form of a camera it's a sort of image capturing device um you know pretty much anything goes really you know, mm. whether it's analog pinholes or, you know, directly onto the photographic paper, messing around with yeah. the chemicals, which I do a lot of, or whether it's something digital. You know, I've I've done digital images where I mess around with the code as well. I think you mentioned um, <laughs> previously about one of my other images, which yeah. is sort of disintegrates. Uh, and that was, um, uh, that was a port- self-portrait that I'd done with a digital camera. And then I went into the code. I used a thing called a hex editor. Ah, right. Because I was going to say, how did you do this? Yeah. Obviously, I work in IT. I understand some of these things. Yeah. So a hex editor essentially just gives you access right. to the raw code. Um, and there's uh, there's a lot of it. I was surprised how much code there was in a single image. If you took oh one, yes one image, if you're talking millions, 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 if not billions yeah. of, of um, uh, bits of information. Yeah. And so what I did was I went into the middle of it. I realized that if you mess around with the top bit, that you destroy the image. Yeah, it's sort of, that's the sort of essential uh, information that you need to produce the image. But the middle bit, you can mess around with. And I found that if I kept removing bits or swapping bits around, the image would start to disintegrate. <laughs> so I start, So I, I think I've got about six images where uh, I start with almost a sort of a full image, a normal image, if you like, and then I start removing bits. And then remove a bit more and a bit more until it sort of gets to the point where you can only just make out that there's a person there. I mean, that's a really great idea. I wonder if I can incorporate that somewhere with mine because mm. that's that's really good. If anyone's I... interested in doing it, what you essentially what you do is you get the well, there's, there's, there's another way you can do it. You can take an image file. Let's say you've got a JPEG or a PSD or what, TIFF or whatever. Yeah, and you can just change the um, so you can change the JPEG section to a t- text file TXT. Yeah. So you just delete JPEG, JPX, and then you put in TXT. Uh, the computer will say, well, "Do you want to change this file?" And you say yes, and then you can right-click and open that as a text file, which gives you uh, a yeah, load of code. Awesome. You mess around with the code, and then you save it again as a text file, then change it back to your JPEG or whatever. Wow, that's it's simple in essence what you're mm. doing, but creating something that is again it's totally unique, isn't it? Uh, I think there's a few sort of glitch people who, you know, I don't know what you call these sort of glitch uh, practitioners, um, people who have okay, who, I've seen that who do similar sorts of things with the code, yeah, uh, and I've seen people put 
code into um you can put it into like a essentially put a digital code is um malleable in that it can be anything it doesn't have to be an image yeah i mean you could put digital code into an audio file yeah and play it i mean it, it'll sound horrendous but hmm. you could do it um so you can sort of if you like reinterpret images which i think is quite interesting you know uh play an image as as an audio file or hmm. vice versa make a an image from from some audio if i had the sort of the time and a bit more inclination i think i would i think it'd be a really good thing to explore yeah and do a little bit more of that it's an interesting concept because this is um basically some of the things that they try and prevent um because you could call this hacking in, in yeah. the truest form of the word yeah. and it it's something um i was taught about the fundamentals of this um years back when i was entering it and um one example we was given was um one country in europe did digital voting mm. and it was hacked by someone inserting code when they were voting <laughs> it was unbelievable i just couldn't believe this had happened how did they do that so obviously there's only there would be only certain characters or whatever you could have put yeah. in on the vote and they yeah. actually inserted code through that because right. obviously no one they probably wouldn't have ever thought of anyone being yeah. able to do that uh, and this is how people break anything isn't it yeah and i think it's amazing there is a uh, I've, there's almost like an aesthetic, if you like, this sort of glitch aesthetic, which you sometimes see used on images. I'm sure there's apps and stuff that will give you the sort of glitch effect, the glitch look, if you like. Yeah. But I think that's when it gets less interesting, when it becomes a sort of superficial filter or something you apply to an image. Yeah. Rather than do it going to the sort of the, the raw source, the source code, if you like, and messing yeah. with that. I think that's yeah. when it gets um, far far more interesting. But there's always this point, I think, where you um, working with something is just like if you push it too far, it's going to break. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you don't push it far enough, nothing interesting is going to happen. So you have to find that sort of like that that sort of uh, cliff edge, you know, sort of just right yeah. up to the edge, and then so you get something really good. But too far, and the whole thing collapses and breaks, and it's, mm -hmm. it's useless. I love this idea of trying to break something. Yeah. Um, intentional breaking, because it, it's the same as messing about in the diet room or messing about with chemigrams and stuff, isn't it? It's, yeah. uh, in theory, chemicals were designed to be done in a scientific way in time and, and, that, and yeah. temperature. Yeah, follow the instructions to... Exactly, to yeah, yeah. Um, it's not like a table. You know, if you build a table wrong... It, it's functionally not a table, so yeah. it's um, it's not going to work. But yeah. you know, this is art, isn't it? So it's something mm. completely different. God, so, mate, did you know anything about glitching at the time? Then? Um, no, I'd seen a few things. I think I probably looked up the the hex thing. I would, I would. That's not yeah. something I would have known myself. So uh, I did a bit of research to to find out how to to do that. But yeah. I think it started with this idea of, you know, what is a digital image? You know, it's kind of, it's not like a physical analog image where you can hold it in your hands. You can no. touch it, you know. So what what is it? It's this 
you know, is that what's it's kind of like ones and zeros, you know, it's kind of it's in mm. the it's in the black box, you know, it's sort of um mm-hmm. the black mirror, you know, it's sort of like it's hiding inside our phones and our computers and it's kind of like what what is it? I was trying to get my head around, you know, how much space, physical space does it take up in in the real world? And I couldn't understand it. So I thought I have to just sort of kind of pull it apart and look at it and and uh, try and find out how it works. Yeah, I love that. Because it's, uh, I mean, digital is an interpretation of what you shot. Yeah. Just the same way, I suppose, the chemicals and the latent images, isn't it? It's, mm. um, it's neither are true reflections. Yeah. I had this, you know, this thought that um, when things break down, um, it's that's where they reveal themselves. When things mm. work perfectly, you know, we don't think about them. We, they, we take them for granted. Uh, they're just there. But it's when they start stop working. It's like when your fridge stops working, you start thinking, what the hell's going on here? And then you sort of realize there's fans and, and things, and you have to sort of start poking around in the back of that or whatever it is. Mm. You know, you, see, you, you become aware of it. Mm. Otherwise, it's just a functional thing that makes life easier. Same with images. You know, they, they just function. But I think when they start to break down, or when the processes break down, when the cameras break down, the digital cameras break down, or the analog, I suppose, you start to sort of think about how images are made. Hmm. How did they come to be? And I, that for me is sort of the interesting area of, of photography. The sort of the how as much as the, the, you know, what it is we're looking at. So knowing you like this area then, what do you think to, like, AI developments in imaging? Uh, that's another interesting idea. Um, you know, this, uh, I mean, you can pretty much, you can take an image and go anywhere with it. I mean, you can mm. you know, make images that don't, that look exactly like real world images. Mm. You don't even have to be there mm. to, to, to be able to do this. Um, I think I'm more interested in the, in this sort of the way images circulate um okay let's say like um you know on the computers and things like that yeah uh, i think that's an interesting area the you know where we see them on instagram and facebook and etc you know mm-hmm. this sort of we get this sort of created version uh, of the world and this these images are sort of pinging back and forth you know in days gone by you took an image you've made a photograph you know you get it back from the developers a few weeks later and stuff and it would show you something that happened in the past so you could say like here's this thing and that happened in the past hmm. and with these images now it's just like especially instagram it's just like it's kind of here and now so it's like i'm doing this thing now here's me now like almost in real time it's literally a couple of seconds mm-hmm. after the event it's there on the screen yeah. and then it's around the world and it's pinging back and forth around the world and then you end up with different versions of it you know there's there'll be multiple versions and then you get all the other stuff that goes with it. You get all the metadata that starts getting attached, all the hashtags and everything. And then it becomes like, um, I kind of envisage it like a ship with um, with these sort of um, uh, barnacles that are stuck on it. This sort of image is uh, okay. picking up all this information and it's traveling around, picking up metadata and stuff as it, as it goes around. And it becomes something else. It becomes like, you know, it's like pure information. Hmm. So it's not just an image. It's just, it's, uh, it's a set of, um, directions and in the information about the the creator and the people looking at it. Yeah, I, I think imagery has changed in that sense, hasn't it? it? 
especially because it's owned by big corporations now mm. and people tend to do um do forget that that at the end of the day behind the scenes is just basically facebook and google that's about it really yeah which again is another scary thought because if if they make a decision let's say um they ban photos you know facebook yeah. suddenly stops that what, what happens to everybody yeah Everything yeah. changes overnight, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that's it. Yeah, it, um, that reminds me of something you're saying. That's uh, about banning images. Um, uh, when I was doing this, sort of going through this process of, uh, about three years ago, um, I was sort of doing some more sort of breaking images of some uh, sort. Uh, and I was with a friend of mine, and we started chatting, and we were sort of getting a bit silly, and we said, "Well, um, um, you know what?" Uh, what we need is like a manifesto for mm -hmm. images. So we started coming up with these ideas for a manifesto. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was, so we started with the idea that we should destroy all images. Every image in the world should be destroyed. And it sort of <laughs> went from that. So it was, it was kind of like a punk sort of uh, <laughs> thing of like, you know, break it all down and start again. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that be quite nice, you know, and just sort of, the, I think it was the idea that images maybe have lost a bit of that value. This, this sort of, um, they're not quite so special as they were because they're so ubiquitous. There was obviously this other side of your work. Um, so it's funny how, like you say, you've changed from digital to analog because I really like chemigrams. I don't know what it is about them. Yeah. So what what's your take on them? What's your process? Um, yeah, I only discovered them sort of relatively recently. I, I did... Um, but uh, one of the dark rooms near where I live was doing like a, a class, you know, just a couple of hours on chemigrams. And I thought, this sounds interesting. So I sort of went along and had a look. Uh, mm. and we just sat there and we plonked different things, you know, like um, uh, face cream and toothpaste and things onto bits of paper and made patterns and put them in the developer and the fixer and got some sort of some rubbish results and some interesting results. But it was sort of enough to pique my interest. Um, so I thought I went away and thought maybe I could do something with it, you know, sort of maybe make it a bit more interesting for myself. Mm. Um, so I got, um, you know, got the paper in the, got some paper, some old paper on eBay, uh, some fresh chemicals from Nilford and had a, had a go with it. Um, but I started sort of introducing shapes and things into it and sort of trying to do a sort of hybrid of photogram and chemigram. Uh -huh. um, in daylight uh, and seeing, seeing how that went. Um, and I've just sort of been experimenting with that ever since. At the moment, I'm working on, uh, well, no, I haven't given them a name yet, spiral grams. I don't know, if, <laughs> I'm not quite sure what to call them. Essentially, the photographic paper that I spin and then add different chemicals, um, some of them photographic and some of them work in the sort of chemigram uh, resist way. If you know what a resist is, it's sort of, it's basically it resists uh, either the fix or the developer yeah. get, getting to the paper, uh, but the resist will break down and, and erode, and so the chemicals will seep in, and then they'll sort of over, overlap. So the fix and the developer will overlap, and then you start uh, getting sort of weird shapes and sometimes colours as well on the black and white paper. That's really cool. So you're doing that outside, for instance, or inside? Yeah, well, in, inside, but um, in, in daylight. 
Afternoon, daylight. Yeah, so the paper quite often will turn like a pink or a blue, depending on, on the paper. Uh, yeah. But once you get it into the fix, then it will go its sort of its normal color, if you like, or usually an off, maybe like an off white or something. Yeah. Um, occasionally, you can get color, uh, but the challenge is that once you fix it, you kind of you lose a lot of the color. But of course, if yeah, you, you don't do, yeah. fix it, then then it's uh it's just an unstable it's image, black, which, which can be interesting. But essentially, you have to put it into into a dark box and never look at it again. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't. The only way to do it really is to scan it. But I hmm. find that once you, if if you scan it, you've got this amazing image and you scanned it, but then you haven't got the image. You've got a digital version of the image, which you then one removed. Uh, and I'm not. I'm lots of people probably comfortable with that. I'm I'm not. I quite like going back to having the original. Mm -hmm. I, like, I like having the thing itself in my hands rather than a print of. So I do fix all my, but it does mean I lose a lot of the amazing colours that you, you sometimes get. Yeah, I've, I've thought about this because I've had the same experience like with Lumen prints. Mm. Uh, the minute you fix it, you just lose yeah, a little bit. Exactly the same with Lumen. You can get some yeah. nice colours with that. Do you think the key is old paper then? Um, I found it doesn't have to be old paper. I found something like um, Ilford Cool Tone gives you uh, really nice pinks. So okay. um, that you can get a lot of nice colour from. But again, if you fix it, you'll lose it. The, the only way around that I've found to be able to maintain the colour is to put some lacquer onto the paper so if you put a lacquer onto it it will then um, completely stop any sort of any um, developer or fix they're getting through so the paper will retain its original color okay um, i'm not sure how it would be if you say left it exposed to light you know for the for weeks months afterwards it'll not be archival will it because lacquer would fade yeah so the lacquer would fade but I'm yeah not but sure it's better. What, i suppose eventually it would fade and it would eventually go to black i guess yeah, because you're still slightly exposing. It would just be a very, very slow exposure, wouldn't it? Yeah. That could, could be quite interesting. And yeah. The, the idea of having an image that changes over time, you know, you could have an image that over one year would would be completely different to what you started with. And that would also depend on where you left it as well. Yeah. There's another project. That could be a very long mm. project, though. Mm. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually, the lacquer. Yeah. It's something I've thought of because um, I've interviewed a few people talking about some processes that don't have a fixed cycle. It's yeah. impossible. And it's, it's made you think, right, there's got to be nature's way of fixing yeah. this. There has to yeah. be. That doesn't deteriorate colours. Yeah. And it'd be lovely to find out if there's some yeah. way of cracking this. Yeah. Well, that's this, in essence, is a, is a piece of material, isn't it? It's a physical thing. And like all physical mm. things, it will sort of fade and deteriorate over time. Mm. Even a fixed image will, will fade eventually. Yeah. It's just that it's, you know, it's more pronounced and speeded up if it's not fixed. Yeah. It just depends on your expectation, I think, doesn't it? Yeah, because if yeah. if you're happy for you know, let's say when they talk archival, they're talking of maybe 
lifetime. Yeah. Two lifetimes out there. Which... 125 years or something. It's, I, really, yeah. I really have no need for a photograph that lasts that long. Exactly. So if we could get away with something that maybe is archival for 10 years, yeah. in probably in photography terms, that's probably a lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it would be interesting to see how long your lacquered ones last yeah i'll have to um just do one and set it aside and just see what happens yeah to it. Yeah. yeah i think so I, I like that approach though again yeah. you've just been trying different things but essentially you know i get a piece of photographic paper and i just chuck stuff at it mm -hmm. and see what works what doesn't work you know so you at that point are you taking the paper in and out so you're like solarizing it or is it staying in in the developer, do you mean? Yeah. Uh, so if i am got my chemogram, so you've done the process of adding various um, chemicals, liquids, whatever, mm -hmm. stuff's well, whichever thing you want to add to it, and then I will go between the developer and the fixer. Um, so I might, it could be anything. It could be like one second in the developer to, you know, a few minutes, depending on how the paper's reacting. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it'll come out dip into a wash and then into the fixer and vice versa. It's just sort of popping back and forth between the two. Yeah. And I found so, um, usually that's just a matter of, say, you know, five minutes or something on an image. But if you use something like a lacquer, which really um, adheres to the paper, then it can take, uh, you know, like an hour or so to break it down. So yeah. you need to keep going back and forth. You have to be very patient. And I didn't realize this initially. I wasn't getting very good results, and I just realized later that I needed to spend more time for the um, for the liquids to get underneath the lacquer. So you just need to spend more time with it, be more patient. Hmm. Yeah, but that's you know alternative processes and experimenting yeah. with this stuff, and it? it's yeah, it, it's, it's quite exciting in a way because there's no. Well, I'm sure some people have written about it, but there's no sort of yeah. acknowledged way to do these things no um you just can't and there's and that's kind of the beauty of it you know there's no mistakes really you're experimenting as you go along and sometimes you you, you happen across something <laughs> quite often i'll get a really good result and then i then i can't re replicate it which is really um <laughs> really annoying or, or i forgot to take notes and i forgot mm. what i put on it mm. um, i tried to take notes but sometimes when you're sort of like in in the moment if you like and you just sort of you know this coming is you know you're making these images and it's all going really well and you just you're not thinking about writing things down or photographing with sometimes i use my phone but i just sort mm. of take a little snapshot but um you just want to be do there doing it you don't want to be thinking about how you're doing it you just want to be in the moment uh which is great but you also sometimes you, you sort of you can't do it again you miss that that replication you know hmm no, i think that's cool and i think that's great that you're still doing this and trying new things um i think it's a way that we improve who we are through some of the tools we have at our disposal yeah absolutely um i'm i'm find it uh, exciting because I, I learn a new process after talking to someone and it's like wow i want to go test this now and uh, I just find it so, so different from the beginning when I was just into digital. So, um, it, you know, it's really, really cool for me. Yeah, I find it, you know, 
it's exciting. I feel a little bit like a child again, you know, that mm, I discovered the, um, mm. this way of working that mm. I find really exciting. Um, and I think I got a bit sort of disillusioned uh, a while back when I was just doing digital. I, f I didn't feel like I could offer anything. I didn't feel like I could give the world anything different to what everybody else was already doing because everyone, you know, there's some amazing digital photographers out there. And I thought, I, I can't compete with that. Um, you know, nobody wants to see my breakfast or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, on Instagram. What, what am I going to do? I have to find something that I find really interesting, but also, you know, that would hopefully other people would find interesting as well. You know, this is the idea of that we don't sort of exist in a bubble that, you know, if you're putting your work out there, if you want to be a photographer or an artist or whatever, you, you're trying to communicate essentially. You're trying to communicate something, whether it's an emotion or a, an idea or a feeling or, or whatever it is. I think for me, maybe it is a feeling, you know, just sort of a sort of sense of like, wow, look at that, you know, um, that's interesting or that that's, you know, that's fun or whatever it is, you know. Mm. Do you think like this idea of um, the Chemicam project being about your, your food and mm. your state with, um, you know, your health and having these migraines? Yeah, uh, yeah it's just that, that project was um, the first time I'd done something sort of personal mm -hmm. that sort of connected with me and myself, you know, my sort of my health, if you like. Um, so essentially, I combined chemigrams with um, uh, with a migraine diary. I was I was lucky enough to get a commission to make some work for an exhibition, and the exhibition cool. was based around this um, historical weather diary from 1963 that this lady had made. And she had, um, each day she would listed what what the weather was. You know, whether it was sort of you know icy or windy or rain or whatever. Mm. And it was sort of. Uh, it's very, it's, it's quite straightforward, but it was sort of um, uh, quite fascinating as well, just to, to sort of read through the different entries. So I thought I could do a response where I, I mean, I already keep a what's called a migraine diary, so uh, that means just writing down the days I have a headache and if there's mm. any potential triggers, uh, and and also the days I have medication, and I've got chronic migraines, so I do get them about. 18 20 days a month which is quite a lot um, wow and so and i'm not um it's not like the what you might think of as a migraine of um just a severe headache i do get those but um yeah. i get a vestibular migraine which means it upsets my balance affects my the way i see and and balance so it feels like i'm on a ship walking on a sort of like a ship at sea at times wow and I have trouble focusing my eyes a little bit as well. Um, so that's the sort of the effects that I get. And I thought it'd be quite interesting to put that into diary form. Um, but then make that diary into a, uh, a physical, visual, um, photographic um, form. So I had 31 days of last January made into 31 images. And for each day that I'd recorded um, you know, the strength of the headache, the visual disturbance. I'd also added in the food that I'd eaten that day. Yeah. Um, so it might be, it could be anything. It could be porridge, could be hummus, could be um, olive oil, could be some vinegar. It's, it's not it's not everything, but maybe like a selection of four or five ingredients that I'd mm. had in that day, plus what I'd had to drink. So whether it was a glass of wine or some beer or um, a cup of coffee or whatever, 
uh, and all those went onto the paper uh, and physically plonked onto the paper and made into chemogram. So I ended up with 31 visual interpretations of 31 days. That's great. So, so that bit is in essence uh, initially a sunprint, surely. Yeah, so it's sort of uh, this um, yeah sunprint photogram, chemogram. Mm -hmm. So it's all kind of yeah. I, see, I see them all sort of end because there's no them. camera involved. You're not using enlarger yeah. or luminogram as well. It's all it's all, yeah. sort of, it's all together. I kind of yeah, um, yeah. The, should maybe come up with a, a new term for this hybrid. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, but it, we should just use your name. <laughs> yeah, <a> Tamergram. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So um, I think so. I, th I think it's admirable that um, you can talk about yourself through your work. And then obviously you can have some discourse like this about it. Because yeah. I do think as much as you look at an image, there has to be more to it. And even your digital images were exactly the same. You know, I could just look at them and go, I just stitched a few photos together. Yeah. But there's a story to all these, isn't there? Yeah. And I'm, you know, I like to tell the story behind it. And, you know, that's, mm. if you have, you know, an exhibition, if you're lucky enough to have an exhibition of work and people come and look at the image, it's just great to be able to stand there and sort of tell people the background to it. And, you know, actually, interestingly, some people don't want to know. Um, I've had most people are really interested. <laughs> Occasionally, people don't want to know anything. They just want to look at the image, which is which is absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, and but and, and the same if people look at my, my images, if they just want to see them, sort of as as they are sort of the this sort of at face value if you like that's absolutely mm. fine and i try to make images that you know uh vision for me visually appealing mm -hmm. um, so they can be appreciated on that level if i um, want to delve deeper then that's great as well mm. for me i think it helps to have a little bit of depth to uh at least something that i'm aware of you know uh, behind the work otherwise it would feel a bit superficial yeah yeah that, that that's understandable uh, and it's it's why you're producing your work you are and and who you are you know you'd probably be a different person let's say you was just purely a digital artist because yeah. you could create some of this with digital art you know yeah but it'd be different work wouldn't it yeah absolutely yeah um and i've been looking at Recently, I've been sort of thinking about if there's ways I can sell my work rather than, you know, uh, I've got my work on a couple of websites, you know, I've got a couple of things on Saatchi.com, but the problem with something like Saatchi.com is, on the one hand, it's great, you know, lots of people look at it and use it, but, you know, you're, I'm a drop in the ocean, any artist on there, you know, unless you get, you know, picked up for some sort of uh, editorial exposure, you know, you, you're mm. one of a million I mean, there's so many artists on there and how to stand out is just, I think that's one of the problems that we have as visual uh, artist is mm -hmm. trying to stand out from all everything else that's going on. Yeah. Um, you know, we mentioned things like Instagram stuff, you know, you're competing for sort of visual for eyeball space, you know, for time for people to look at your images against mm. the whole world. Everyone's producing images, you know, mm. 20 years ago, it was just, 
a few people there was maybe you know you had the family camera which everyone shared and took like a couple of pictures at christmas etc now mm. everyone's taking pictures all the time and you know and putting them out there mm. so it's sort of visual overload and trying to you know keep yourself seen or heard above all of that is really really difficult and i think that's one of the sort of big challenges that we have yeah yeah it's a it's a tough world um you know, and obviously COVID's had an effect and lessons on everybody. Um, we can only just hope and pray everything changes. Um, who knows what the future is, though? It's, it's hard to say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I just kind of look at it day to day and keep <laughs> keep plugging away. Keep <laughs> uh, <laughs> keep keep going. You know? No, that's all you can do, innit? Yeah. Keep going. Um I want to make us all said, uh, your time will come for the recognition. Yeah. I love this um, messing about with film idea. Some people call it film soup. Um, I don't, and I've heard someone call it something different. Um, yeah. This idea of them playing with, uh, is it always coloured negatives? Um, the ones that I've got, uh, mm. yeah, the colour, well, if you're working with a black and white negative, then essentially you're going to get black and white, whatever you do to it, unless yeah. you put some paint or dye or something on it. Yeah. Whereas if you work with color film, you can, um, well, one I found that um, one of the things I got a really good reaction from, and I think this may be one of the images that um, you picked up on, was um, I put some of my uh, medication that I take, I had some, <laughs> some spare, and I know when I take it, if it gets stuck in my throat, it burns my throat, and I know it's potent. It's a very small little tablet. Okay. Uh, it's called nortriptyline. Uh, very small, ten milligrams. And and I had some left over, and I thought, I wonder what would happen if I, you know, like uh, soaked those in some just in some water and put them on the film, and they really sort of ate into the film. So God knows what they're doing to my stomach or <laughs> or, to, or to my brain for that matter. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so they they got some um, that that worked really well. But essentially, so it, you can put anything on there. I've tried things like you know household bleach and stuff like that. You, that works really yeah. nicely. Bleach works. Okay. But I think with this film soup that you mentioned, what a lot of people do is they take their thirty-five mil film and soak it before they use it. So they will pop it into like a jar with red wine or vinegar or lemon juice or something something uh -huh. that will get into the film and start to break down the film surface. Yeah. Now, let that dry out, put it through the camera, and then develop it. Um, I've not tried that. Um, and one of the reasons I didn't try it was because I didn't think my photo, my photo developer would appreciate me sending them film with all that gunge in it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but also, I just, I found it easier. Uh, well, easy is not the right word. I found it... Um, more interesting if you like to take the film with the images on it mm -hmm. and then sort of work with the images that i could see mm. so take the negative and then just sort of put the chemicals around the the image that was already there mm. do it that way so sort of do it afterwards rather than before you see i always assumed it was done before yeah because obviously this is the problem when you start opening your eyes to potential and um, I was talking to someone about it, and they said, most people do it afterwards. And I'm like, what? Oh, hang on. 
how why would you do it after that? Oh yeah, that actually makes sense because you've already got your image, so you've got the control. Yeah. So that's a bit like tinting something afterwards or playing with it. Yeah. Because you've already got the picture of the house, the model or whatever. Yeah. So I think yeah. I think the two different things aren't there in that sense. Yeah. I think the other thing that I don't know whether it would be a problem, but I would imagine it might be that if you soak your film beforehand, you yeah. could get a bit stuck in the camera. You might have yeah. some problems with it, either the sprockets breaking or the um uh, the film sticking together and things like that. Um you might that might in itself might be interesting, but I I just imagine getting it through the roll through the camera might be more difficult yeah i suppose you're right especially if it's got your pills in it and it's at your camera <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually uh, my, my favorite camera is my broken camera uh, is it yeah and i've got um i've got one of these it's like one of those toy cameras with uh, oh, yeah. with the four lenses so it's uh the idea is that you take four pictures uh sort of like in a sequence so you you click and you know you put the shutter down because it'll go click 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 like that so you've got four images in mm. a square uh, se sequence a mini sequence but the um the winding mechanism is broken on the camera so what happens is it uh it will go click click and then get stuck so i always get um two and a half images and then i wind it and then i then it'll get stuck again and then i get another one and a half images and i get this amazing overlaps uh which you couldn't sort of i mean you could probably do it in photoshop but it would just hmm. but when i get the every time i get a roll back it's just like wow well, look at that you know it's just sort of that serendipity of weird things being out of place and overlapping <laughs> and stuff like that and i, I love it you know but hmm. i'm worried that my camera is going to completely break so i'm sort of uh it's a toy plastic thing it's just you know you could you could break it by sitting on it uh, mm. So I'm terrified that it's actually going to proper break. Uh, and so I said, but I cherish it because it gives me these uh, these amazing images sometimes that you could never get in, in any other way, you know. That's really interesting. I, I love that sort of attitude. Um, I'm a, I'm a bit more open like that to let's just see what happens. But at the same time, I do love uh, a clean image. Um, well exposed yeah. uh, you know I like both worlds um, yeah I mean, I certainly do with other people's you know when I look at photography I don't mm. I don't really want to look at photography that looks like mine I want to look at something else completely different yeah. you know so the photographers that you know that I might uh, really enjoy do maybe different types of photography to, to mm. what I do yeah that, that's been my actual approach to podcasting to be honest yeah um, it helped me learn other genres. Well, I think we're through the actual formal part um, of our conversation there, Mark. So I'm just thinking, um, have you got time to go through my random questions? Are you feeling ready, Mark? Is that the first question? <laughs> no, that's too easy. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> okay. So... Is the Bermuda Triangle another product by the Dairy Lee people? I'm wondering how long Dairy Lee's been around and whether the Bermuda Triangle was kind of, <laughs> when I was a kid, it was the thing. I remember sort of 
seeing that in magazines and stuff and think you know it was kind of it was um not quite a conspiracy theory of this day but it was sort of one of the sort of the mysteries mm. of um you know what what happened to these i think it was like american aircraft that disappeared in the second world war yeah. um i'm not i'm just wondering if dairy lee has been around long enough uh whether they were around um or whether they're actually uh subconsciously they're sort of using the bermuda triangle to sort of get to us with their with their triangular cheeses there you go it's possible isn't it yeah and what about you know is there have there been any reports of people going into the dairy leaf factory and never being seen again exactly i mean would the news cover that probably have to be local news <laughs> <laughs> no that, that's cool um for our american friends um dairy Lee is a brand of processed cheese over here that was famously done in a triangle shape so there you go a totally stupid british thing um i don't think we have them anymore do we or do we um like i say they disappeared mysteriously disappeared no one's yeah. seen them so maybe they are in bermuda or that yeah. might have to yeah. check it out okay so this relates to previous myspace twitter facebook instagram oh. what is next uh well you're probably not asking the right person for mm. for that if you're talking about sort of technology mm. i mean you know if i knew that i'd probably be you know i'd be the next millionaire um i'd be able to um you know capitalize on that but um i don't think anyone knows what the, the next <laughs> next big thing is going to be um um, so I, we'd probably have to ask our children because they will know, you know, six months before the rest of the world, what's going to, what's the sort of the thing that everyone's, because, you know, essentially if you're on Facebook, you know, you're old. Um, yeah, you know, that's right. Anyone uh, over 25, I'm sure, is, wouldn't be seen dead on Facebook. So um, mm. uh, and my, my daughter's 20. Uh, I don't know what, I've got no idea what, platforms that she uses but i'm sure there's some new ones out there so i probably have to ask her okay yeah clueless or ask a like child that. essentially there you go ask a child it's good advice though yeah, yeah I like that. um you win the lottery hmm. who do you not tell you've won who do i not tell um hmm. well i thought the tax man i don't know whether the the lottery winnings are tax deductible um no i don't, I don't yeah I think it's tax-free. Okay, well that's okay then. Mm -hmm. who, do I, who do I not tell? Um, I think I would, I would run down the street screaming it. <laughs> <laughs> tell everyone. Because you could, you could go either way. Some people are very, very um, yeah. hidden away and precautious, uh, which I understand because yeah. let's face it, if people find out, you'll suddenly get a load of charity questions and um, yeah. requests. Well, I, I suppose it also depends how much it was you know if it's mm -hmm. uh, if it's a hundred quid then you know uh, i don't mind who knows if it's a hundred million you'd probably have to be a bit more careful but i think mm -hmm. give, giving to charities would be certainly one of the things i'd want to do anyway but i think on my own terms yeah i agree that's yeah. cool okay so a new strain of covid has come to light in the uk and makes everyone bald all right what do you do embrace it uh, wait for a cure 
I I'll think go for the hair transplant. I think I might have caught it actually. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, same yeah. here. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you can just just go with it. If go that's on. if that's the only symptom, yeah, um, life would be a lot easier if we all had no hair. But there'd be no hairdressers. Yeah, well, they'd have to adapt. And they'd have to adapt. Yeah, because dog grooming instead. There's more money in dog grooming. Yeah. Well, you might still get facial hair. Yeah. yeah. I suppose so. We'd have to be more creative with our facial hair. Yeah, yeah. We could do that. Oh, we could stick hair on that they could do. Yeah. 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 Or wigs, whatever. Yeah. But that, there you go. We've, we've still sorted the problem out. So, no, that's yeah. cool. Um, what item of fashion would you like to bring back? Hmm. Obviously, you're a man of experienced yep. years, so you've seen a lot of fashions, haven't you? Yeah, I've been through the 70s, the 80s, and I don't even remember what the fashions were for the the 90s and the 2000s. Um, no. When I was sort of aware of fashion 70s, uh, we used to have, used to be this thing, I used to be sort of bother boys. We were, I mean, I was only a teenager, but we used to wear our scarves, football scarves, soccer for Americans, football scarves around our wrists, um, you know. Oh because we thought we looked really tough we were about sort of 12 but we <laughs> go to school with like you know with this with this round of wrist i think it might have been a sort of basic rollers type thing okay band from the early 70s yeah uh and i remember i used to have these um we used to call them waster trousers and they were essentially they were trousers with a high waist uh mm. they probably wouldn't suit me now i've got too much of the the, the middle-aged paunch but mm. um we, I used to love these trousers that were uh, they were slightly flared, but they would come up much higher on the waist. So they would come up an extra, say, four or five inches to what you'd normally have on the trousers. Wow. We used to call them wasters. I don't know what the, the proper name was for them. Yeah, uh, They were quite cool. There you go. Yeah. I think that should appear in your work, right? Some, yeah, could at, be my at next some project. Point. Yeah. There you go. Even you become a fashion idol... Yeah, if anyone's making wasted trousers and they want me to promote that on Instagram, drop me a line. Influencer. Yeah. Exactly. Got it. Yeah, no, that's cool. Okay, your last one, and this is your hardest one yet. So, you have to um, give a punch, a present, and a pint to each of the following. So you can choose one for each. Okay. Marcus Aurelius, Mark Twain, and Mark Hamill. Um, what was the first one, Marcus? Aurelius. Oh, um, mm. a punch. A punch, a present, or a pint. Which one wow. to which? Um, um, I'm going to go with uh, a pint for Marcus Aurelius. I think he needs some... Uh, some beverages to just sort of wake him up a bit. <laughs> uh, what Too was powerful. it? What was the second one, Marcus? So we've got Mark Twain. Mark Twain. Mark uh, Hamill, as in Luke Skywalker. Okay, There's a local connection to Mark Twain to, to where I am. He opened the oh, is there? our local library yeah, way back in whenever Mark Twain was around, sort of hmm. 100 years ago. Um, I can't punch Mark Twain. I'm going to have to punch Mark Hamill then. <gasps> I've never been a fan of Star Wars. Um, no. So I'm going to say I'm going to punch Mark Hamill, 
for Pint to Marcus Aurelius. Uh, and a uh, present. And a present to, to Mark Twain for opening our local library. Okay. To be fair, though, Matt Hamill will be able to take a punch. Yeah. As Luke yeah, Skywalker. Yeah. I mean, could you just use the force and stop you doing it? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So th- no some up. good thinking there. Yeah, I like that. Well, thank you so much for that, Matt. That was good fun. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. Thanks very much. <laughs> it's different questions anyway, not your average ones. Yeah. Um, so do you want to tell all our lovely listeners where to check you out online? Uh, yeah, sure. So you can find me on uh, my website is Mark Tamer. That's with the T-A-M-E-R uh, .co.uk. Uh, or you can find me on Instagram at Unreal City, and that's spelled U-N. R-E-A-L-C-I-T-Y, Unreal City. Um, yeah, and drop me a message if you you know want to say hi or ask me any questions about processes. Good to hear from you. There we go. Uh, and obviously there'll be links in the show notes for everybody yep. for ease. And obviously my final question, Mark, is I do this pay-it-forward scheme. Hmm. Is there anyone you think I should be um, checking out in the future, whether like you said earlier, whether they're from a totally different genre or, or something. You should check out, um, I don't know if you know of him, uh, Andrew Hall, who does the School of Light uh, no. in Los Angeles. So there's um, there are, like a film darkroom uh, who do courses and do some amazing experimental photography with students, but they also, I think, are doing online um, courses as well but he has uh, his own line of work he's a commercial photographer but has now sort of moved into the experimental photography side of thing mm-hmm. he does a lot of things with um, fluid dynamics which oh, okay. essentially is, he works with li- liquids uh, and sort of investigates the properties of liquids and photographs them which is can be really amazing so it's kind of where science meets um, art yeah. um, so if you I think his um, Instagram is Andrew Hall editions uh, but if you look for School of Light, um, yeah. have a look. They've got some some of their student stuff is is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. So check that out. And if you want to sign up for one of their courses, then that would uh, be a worthwhile thing as well. No, that's cool. No, thanks a lot for that. Yeah. That's, oh, that uh, sounds good. Fun. I can send you the link as well if you want to put it at the bottom. Yeah, that yeah, that'd be great. And if there's any other people you want me to check out uh, yeah. or any recommends, obviously. Just pop them on an email. That'd be brilliant. Yeah, yeah he would be uh, a great one for your podcast as well. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Because, well, Mark, um, thank you so much for spending your time with me. Um, it's been a pleasure. Very much appreciated. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for asking me. And um, you know, uh, I love what you're doing there with all your uh, with all your blogs and um, bits and pieces and stuff. It's a great resource to have. And mm. um, just you know, it's great that people like you put in the time and dedication to to do it for for us out there no, so, no. so thank you no not a problem mate and uh, you take care and yep. um, keep all that work and I want to see some more projects <laughs> okay yeah watch this space yeah oh that's brilliant yeah. thank you so much Matt all right thank you, you take actually. care see Thanks, you later mate. cheers bye I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to that episode I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed um, interviewing please don't forget if you want to get involved 
I'm starting to put out there on social media uh, the list of guests for that week. You are welcome to submit any questions you want to ask and uh, hopefully I'll read them out for you whether you want to do that through Instagram um, direct message you can just click if you click on the direct message bit uh, there's a button there and you can record and send that right across uh, but there's many apps you can do or email me or send me a DM on Facebook Instagram whatever that's cool with me for those of you who want to support the show please don't forget uh, iTunes reviews are always appreciated and obviously I will read them out uh, the following week for you and I tend to use them on social media so that's all very much appreciated if you'd like to help contribute towards the show then don't forget there's my coffee page where you can submit anything from one dollar a pound or upwards and I'll keep a note on there what I'm trying to achieve um, as the months and years go by for those who want to keep coming back to the show don't forget you can just subscribe in your friendly podcast app of choice and there's a weekly newsletter on my website flogger.co.uk so that's p-h-l-o-g-g-e-r and you'll get an automated email from me and that tells you each week uh, what's gone up on the website so it's the podcasts and any articles i've wrote so yeah thank you so much and i'll see you again soon bye